This is VLX number 66, A Prophet's Reward. We are in Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris Affidit, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris Affidit, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, two really quick notes before we start. One is we are going to keep going on this VLX series all the way through Mark, Luke, John, and maybe the letters of St. Paul. So this is going to take years. So I hope you're in this for the long haul with only one VLX a week. Hope you can keep up. But do supplement your prayer, even if it's only 15 minutes of prayer, maybe with another gospel. Go through Mark as you're taking notes on my Matthew. Go through Mark doing your own Lexio Divina or Discursive Mental Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Teresa of Avila, even as you keep up with notes in this section on St. Matthew, because I think they'll mutually feed each other. The, the saints all are very clear that prayer feeds study and study feeds prayer. Uh, second note, I had previously mentioned or mildly promoted The Chosen, that TV show, but unfortunately, probably a lot of you saw my blog post. Some of you probably spread it around. Other of you aren't even hearing me speak now because you probably quit. But I did point out that there is blasphemy against Our Lady in season two, episode three. You can see my blog. Hopefully the non-Catholics that are still listening stick with me through the series. Um, and do go look at what all the early Christians said of Our Lady's sinlessness and the miraculous birth. Because even if you're not Catholic following this, you certainly want to know your patrimony to know what the earliest Christians said about this. Hint, it's not what they put in this uh, TV show. Okay, let's review a little bit of last time. Remember last time we talked about how important it is to put Christ before your family. And we spoke earlier how many families were divided in 2020 with politics and religion. I've promised on VLX I'm not going to get into politics, even though probably people can guess them. But I think people even to the left of me can enjoy the series because we're just going to be looking at what the fathers say. But today we're also going to look at how we have to be very attuned to prophecy in very prophetic times like today. Again, I'm going to keep my promise to keep politics out of this. But you do have to have your ear to the rail for, for what we're looking at. And what I really want to point before we start is you really got to stay grounded in the sacred scriptures, um, especially as it seems for so many people to fall apart. And I, I was looking at Psalm number one. You know, in the old divine office, we do all 150 Psalms a week. And every Sunday, we start with Psalm number one. And I'm recording this on a Sunday for you guys tomorrow on Monday. You're probably watching this on a Monday or a Tuesday. But this is what it says in Psalm one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff. That the wind drives away. So what it's saying right there is when you meditate on the law of God day and night, you are unmovable, as unmovable as a tree planted by streams of water. So think about that image for a minute. You have everything you need for the interior life 
and therefore you are unshakable if you meditate on the law of God day and night. This is why I'm doing this series for y'all is so that you can have the study to feed the prayer and the prayer feed your whole life. You know, someone had told me, I haven't seen this in the church fathers, but someone said, we moderns think we just pray well to live well, but the church fathers thought we live well to pray well because the goal is contemplation. The goal is union with God. And even if you don't have the time or the ability to enter into contemplation, you can give God 15 minutes of prayer a day. So this is why I'd encourage you to keep on with this study. The goal after those 15 minutes is to rest in him all day long. And I really think the only hard decision on this, we all, I mean, think of it. Have you ever regretted time in prayer? Have you ever finished prayer? And Yeah, we've finished prayer and we've been distracted. But have you ever made a holy hour and said, I really wish I hadn't made that holy hour? You know, the only hard decision in 2021 or whenever you're listening to this, the end, world doesn't end by 2030 or whatever, the only hard decision is to make the decision to put God first. We all, we all know that. But as our Lord says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the iPhone is weak to turn that into airplane mode for us to give God that time. And, you know, I think also we're all hit by all these crazy temptations. I think a lot of times we wonder, was this my life? Was this the cross I was supposed to be carrying? I heard a Catholic speaker once say, life is like a GPS that says recalculating. Might sound a little corny to some of the traditionalists out there, but hear me out. God's providence can't be any less than the GPS. And if your GPS or your phone says to you recalculating, then your life's never so messed up that God can't get you back on the track. But the key to that is mental prayer. The key to that is union with God. Saints like St. Rita, she realized that she had married the wrong guy. And yet, through that, it became her sanctification, her husband's sanctification, and her kid's sanctification. Um, Even though I think, if people can correct me if I'm wrong, if this was the saint, she prayed that her sons would die before committing a mortal sin. And I think there was some gang activity in Italy, however many hundreds of years ago, whenever she was living. And the kids, they ended up dying in state of grace before they ended up in gang violence and died. Yeah, there was gang violence in Italy (laughs) hundreds of years ago. And so... The, the point is that even when we make mistakes, we can become a great saint. So St. Rita married the wrong person and became a great saint. Life is like a GPS. Sorry to sound like Forrest Gump. Life is like a GPS that recalculates along the way. So don't think everything's lost. Don't think that you're on the wrong path. As long as you enter deep into the scriptures, you get grounded again. Okay, let's look at the last few verses of Matthew chapter 10 today. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Well, let's start with the simple question, maybe even the easy question, what is a prophet? Are there any alive today? Father Lapide in page 515 says, Formerly, the office of the prophets was not only to predict future events, but also to teach the people. Isn't that interesting? Not only to predict future events, but also to teach the people. Well, we have 2 billion Christians on the planet, 1 billion Catholics, and there seems to be about 2 billion opinions, 2 billion teachers of their own opinion. Well, if there's 2 billion opinions among Christianity, how do we know which teachers to listen to? That's what we're going to look at today. Now, there's a lot of people who are studying the Bible, but they're only looking at it maybe from the point of view of past prophets. So, for example... You might go to like some Catholic grade grad school. You might go to some Catholic grad school that is amazing at pulling all this typology between, 
Jeremiah in the Old Testament and Christ in the New Testament. Typology is a link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I, I love it. It's really great. But the problem with some of it is it only puts it in the past. I mean, how many of you would be friends with Jeremiah if he were alive today? I think if Jeremiah went to these one of these Catholic grad school parties and talked in 2021, they would probably say, well, he's been diagnosed with antisocial behavior, depression. He's theologically a rigorist, a dogmatist. He's unflexible. He's, he's a conspiracy theorist. Uh, he's just playing a Debbie Downer. Um, but remember, ultimately, Jeremiah was stoned to death by his own people. And we think of all the people in the past as mean and modern people as nice. doesn't work like that. You're going to hear about this at the end of, end of today's VLX. But ultimately, Jeremiah was stoned by his own people. But you know, all kinds of people in all these Catholic Bible studies, Catholic universities, all these grad programs and stuff, they love, love, love to make connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But would they want a Debbie Downer in their own life speaking the truth? Now, I'm not saying that anybody with those issues of like antisocial behavior is automatically a prophet, but here's the big test you got to ask yourself to find out if you would follow a prophet today. As you've heard me say many times before, your truth is only as strong as the evidence you have to support it. Have your kids memorize that one. I'm happy to hear those kids listening to this and kids are great at memorization. Your truth is only as good as the evidence you have to support it. And what did Father Lapide just say a prophet is? Formerly, the office of the prophets was not only to predict future events, but also to teach the people. So for example, I know not everyone listening is Catholic, but for those who are listening, look at someone maybe trying to reform the Catholic Church today. And if the worst you hear about them is not anything against their arguments, but just that they're theologically rigorous, dogmatist, unflexible, a conspiracy theorist, or just playing a Debbie Downer, then you need to look at the evidence against these arguments. Um, not their style of preaching, not the amount of views on YouTube, not what their fans or their enemies say about them, but what they are saying and does this line up with the Bible and the church fathers. Um, and I'm thinking of people that I know, but I'm not thinking of myself. So I don't think this is a narcissistic thing. I'm thinking of all of how things explode in the Catholic world these days. But there are prophets. I'm, I'm, not referring to, I'm not referring to myself. But there are people out there, and this is where you have to remember and that while there's two billion opinions among Christians out there, your truth is only as good as the evidence you have to support it. And that's how you know if you follow a Jeremiah today or an Isaiah today or a John the Baptist today or even Christ our Lord today. Are you willing to follow truth, not feelings, wherever it leads? This is central to understanding the entire gospel. Remember, VLX is based on the gospel, not just cool Greek terms. I want you to be followers of Christ. But what does he say? Unless you take up the cross, no, his cross, no, his own cross. It says, autu, his cross. It refers to the person listening. Unless you take up your cross, which is specific to each different person. And this is why I was saying... We often have this heavy cross and we're like, did I mess up in life? And we throw the cross off. No, keep that cross. How do you know what your cross is? It is what your daily cross is today. And then you keep following Christ in that. Okay, the big thing is this though, wherever it leads, wherever the truth leads is where you have to keep going. And we are in very, very prophetic times. So we need to see God sending prophets today. Even the new catechism of the Catholic Church. This is number 675 released under Pope John Paul II. I want you to listen to this. Before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, 
a pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. That's Catechism 675. And by the way, apostasy is standing away from Christianity. And so one way to tell if you're accepting of these prophets, the real prophets, trying to stave off this religious deception is if you have no cost. No cost to sell out your faith for an apparent solution at the price of apostasy from the truth. That's to say nothing would make you deny Christ or his holy law of love. So this is why we have to heed is very, very contemporary and applicable to our times, not just the past times of the times of Jeremiah and Isaiah. We have to see as this is very applicable to our times, this line from the gospel. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Now, everybody has different opinions on who is righteous or a prophet or whatever else. The fact is, today God is sending prophets and we must listen. But they might not be any more popular among Christians today, both Catholic Christians and non-Catholic Christians, than they were in the Old Testament. We have to realize that. Woe to you, our Lord says, when everyone speaks well of you. And so in 2021, the real prophets aren't going to sound like the health and wealth gospel. Um, so if you're praying enough and studying enough to know the voice of Christ amidst all of these very loud false prophets that we see all over the Christian world and unfortunately the Catholic world. So if you're blessed enough in 2021 not to listen to the voice of your feelings, but the voice of the truth, the question is, in accepting one of these modern day prophets, not just Isaiah, not just Jeremiah, but if you can recognize the truth more than your feelings, even when the truth tells you to carry that cross, the big question is, do you get that prophet's portion of a reward or do you get prophecy itself? Interestingly enough, Father Lapide quotes two different fathers. They say different things. Of course, these are not doctrinally contrary. We're going to talk a little bit later about why Lapide is so definitive, even when there's slightly different answers. But let me answer that for you. This is really interesting. Page 516, Cornelius Lapide on St. Matthew. Father Lapide says this person receives the reward of a prophet because as he cooperates with the prophet and assists him because he is a prophet and a preacher, so shall he be partaker in the labor, merit, and reward of the prophet, not equally but proportionally according to the degree of cooperation and love with which he assists the preacher. But then later he quotes St. Jerome saying something even more radical that by supporting prophets you get the gift of prophecy. Father Lapide says, Lastly, by the reward of a prophet, some understand the gift of prophecy, which St. Jerome, on the book of Abdias, thinks the prophet Abdias obtained because he fed the prophets with bread and water during Jezebel's persecution. Quote, Because he nourished a hundred prophets, he received the grace of prophecy, and thus a military leader became a prince of the church. He fed at that time a little flock in Samaria. Now he feeds the churches of Christ throughout all the world, end quote. So what he's saying right there is if you support a prophet, especially an unpopular one, you get the gift of prophecy. Very interesting right there. Um, now, <laughs> the painful and glorious thing about this is we see in the early church that those who helped the martyrs often got the gift of martyrdom. St. Ignatius, certainly he who honors the prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ will receive the martyr's reward. Hence, in the histories of the martyrs, we read that many of the faithful who visited the martyrs or fed them or comforted them or buried them or assisted them in any other way, thereby merited martyrdom and in fact became martyrs. We see this in the martyr St. Vitalis, the father of Saints Gervasius and Protasius, while encouraging St. Ursicinus 
who was wavering at the prospect of death and martyrdom. He himself was captured and martyred. The same thing happened to St. Sebastian when he was encouraging Saints Marcus and Marcellianus and to Saints Marius and Martha with their two sons as they were visiting and helping the martyrs detained in prison at Rome and to many others. So we saw him out as people who came to the help of martyrs and received a martyr's reward. Today, there's a lot of white martyrs in the West, people who are made fun of for speaking the truth. And I really believe the people who support them are poured out many graces from heaven. By the way, you know, today we heard about this cup of cold water. We're going to tackle that. But as long as we're on these topics of these martyrs, listen to St. Anastasia here. This is also from Father Lapide. An illustrious example of this occurs in the life of St. Anastasia, virgin and martyr. After her tongue had been cut out and her teeth knocked out, her strength was failing and she was thirsty, so she asked for water. A certain man named Cyril gave her to drink, and by that one cup of cold water purchased the crown of martyrdom. For when Probus the governor understood that he had done this for a Christian woman because he was a Christian, he sent him to a martyr's death. Okay, a real quick aside, why do I quote this Father Lapide so much? Is it because he's definitive? Well, yeah. And why is he definitive? Because he has conglomerated only the best of the church fathers and doctors of the church, which the councils and the popes of the church have come close, not exactly, but come close to saying is nearly infallible in the interpretations of the sacred scriptures. So notice, sacred scripture is inerrant, but the councils of the Catholic church are often infallible. I'm not going to go into the difference between those two, but inerrant's higher than infallible, but there's no error in either of those. And so Father Lapide, quite nearly a saint, many people think he will be canonized. He was sort of the, the Jesuits version of St. Thomas Aquinas, wrote this book around the year 1700. But, you know, Father Lapide is so based in the fathers and the doctors of the church, like St. Thomas Aquinas, that you can be sure that anytime I say that word Lapide, and I know you guys are probably tired of me saying that word, it's kind of an annoying word to say, even though, God bless him, I hope he's canonized one day. Even though you're probably tired of that word Lapide, realize every time I say that, I'm saying... These are nearly infallible interpretations of the scriptures. Now, I know there's a bunch of even Catholics that get all up in arms and it's like, no, only ex cathedra statements. No, no, no. If you look in Providentismus Deus by Leo Thirteenth, you will see any time the church fathers are unanimous on an issue, I believe, I'll have to check this, he calls that also infallible. So there's a lot more that's in the ordinary magisterium that people want to give, uh, even Catholics want to give um, our, our tradition credit for. And so if people need quotes from the popes on Thomas Aquinas on these levels of infallibility, uh, maybe because they don't believe me, just leave it in the comments and I'll explain um, why it does not get more of a pristine of an interpretation of the Bible than the best friends of the apostles. This is actually common sense. It shouldn't need casuistics for me. You know, the water is always coolest and clearest near the source. And so what should we expect from the best friends of the apostles? Um, the church fathers, the people who memorize both the Bible and the fathers, often verbatim like St. Thomas Aquinas. So when I say Lapide, what I'm trying to tell you is this is not my interpretation of the Bible like a thousand other Bible studies on YouTube. This is nearly the infallible interpretation of this verse from the Catholic Church. Nearly, I said. Um, okay, couple more things. Second to last thing before we go to the imaginative way of prayer. Notice... If you listen really closely to that part about the cold water, notice you don't get brownie points for giving someone a cup of cold water for social justice reasons. You don't get props for taking in a profit just because you want to look good for the Rotary Club. It has to be for Christ and in Christ. Jesus said today, 
The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, and so on. And so if you think that's just me ripping on social justice wars, that that's me being anti-Jesuit, actually, again, Father Lapide was one of the earliest Jesuits, one of the holiest Jesuits. And this is what he says on today's passage. Quote, By these words of Christ, it is intimated that a work of mercy done to a man only because he is a man is of the natural order. So let me pause real quick. That's Father Lapide saying it's not bad, but it's not of supernatural gift or merit. So Father Lapide continues, If it be done because he is a believer, a fellow citizen with the saints and the household of God, it is a work of mercy of a higher, that is, of a supernatural order, close quote. So right there we have this early Jesuit saying, social justice is quite nearly worthless unless it's done for Christ, unless it's done for the kingdom of God and the salvation of souls. Okay, and then last note before we jump into the imaginative way of prayer. Notice, if you have the ESV, I'm going to compare the ESV to the Durham's, the English Standard Version Catholic Edition to the Dewey Rimes Bible. This isn't, listen closely, I'm not going to say one is better than the other. I just want to show you the difference on translation so you can keep picking which one you want to listen to. The ESV said, because he is a prophet, because he's a righteous person. But if you're using the Dewey Rimes, which is fine, half of you are using the Dewey Rimes, notice it said, he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive the reward of a prophet, and he that receiveth a just man in the name of a just man shall receive the reward of a just man. Okay, why that big difference? Well, this is a really good example of how the Dewey Rhymes version, Dewey Rhymes Bible and the King James Version uses a formal translation. That means word for word. So the Greek literally says, in the name of a prophet, or in the name of a just man. But the dynamic translation, that's what I start at the beginning of all these series with, it tries to grasp the sense of the connotation as you might have had in the first century. So the ESVCE, the English Standard Version Catholic Edition, says, because he is a prophet or because he is a righteous person. Which of those two is correct? Well, they're both correct. If you want it word for word, then go for the Douay Rhymes. If you want it sentence for sentence, then go for the English Standard Version. And that's the difference, again, between formal and dynamic translations. VLX, I can't remember which one it was, but if you look back on my VLX, you can see how I go through the various different translations that you may be using, including the NIV since we have non-Catholics. So now let's look at the imaginative way of prayer. I'm going to have you look at something bad and good in your own life. You can have Jesus at your side if you want because we never want to just be Pelagian, pulling ourselves up to heaven by our own bootstraps. Have Christ at your side. But I'm going to have you look back on something bad in your life that you did and something good in your life, to put it in very juvenile terms. But I'm going to give you a little bit more to chew on here. So let's talk about the bad first. I always like to start with the bad so we can end on the good. I want you to meditate, as rough as this sounds, I want you to meditate on your price of denying Christ. Think of that last VLX. Ask yourself without grace, how would I sell out Christ? Maybe even ask yourself, what's the worst I've done to sell out Christ? And here it's okay to feel bad because you're going to have some good feelings in part two of the imaginative way of prayer today. But remember what we just heard in the catechism today. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception, offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. So the question to ask at the beginning of this imaginative way of prayer is, um, without grace, 
what would my price be at selling out the truth to say, get along with people by denying Christianity, maybe denying that Christianity has to be lived in the flesh, let's say only spiritual. By the way, that's, that's wrong is what I'm saying. But the point is, look back at real life decisions where you sold out halfway or fully your name as a Christian. Remember last VLX we heard, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So unfortunately, again, you might want to tie this to your family, placing uh, your family or friends before Christ. And repent of this in the imaginative way of prayer. Don't just feel bad. Bring this to Christ. If you have unconfessed sins, go confess it. Bring this to Christ because the one thing greater than our ability to sin is our Heavenly Father's ability to forgive us. So I'm not having you meditate on this just to beat yourself up. Ask for the gift of tears. And the old missal, the old missal that we pray at Mass, there's actually a prayer for compunctionis cordis, for contrition of heart. In fact, in the 19th century missals, it says lacrimarium. We pray for the gift of tears. Isn't that interesting? We think of only charismatics praying for the gift of tears. It's in the 19th century Roman canon, or rather the Roman missal connected to the Roman canon. You pray for the gift of tears. Um, so pray for the gift of tears for your sins of, de of denying Christ in the past. And now for the good side of the imaginative way of prayer, I'm going to have you pat yourself on the back a little bit. I know most of you do not want to pat yourselves on the back during your time in prayer, but I want you to think of times, even one, when you accepted Jesus in the hiddenness of somebody else, maybe without knowing what you were doing. Um, for example, maybe you brought um, a cup of cold water to a homeless man and you did it for the salvation of that person's soul, not to be seen by anybody else. And the reason I think it's safe to bring to the imaginative way of prayer, look back with Christ again at your side, at some of the good works you've done, maybe again give a cold cup of water to a stranger child, or maybe shielded someone being made fun of for being a good Christian, uh, wherever you remember as you look back at your life of good works. The reason I do not think this will lead to pride in your life is because I want you to thank God that he has sent you these opportunities, that God, this is the funny thing, even those good works we did, or especially those good works we did, was God working through us. Um, you know, you've heard many of the saints say, anything good in my life came from God, anything bad came from me, anything evil came from me, but anything good came from God. And this is where we have to give him glory, even for our good works, um, because he had you do them. Now, for non-Catholics listening, I'm not saying... You pat yourself on the back for good works as a replacement to grace. Of course not. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So see, we're not going to go bragging about this. Paul's very clear. We don't go bragging about this. But he did prepare our good works beforehand. Have you ever thought of that? God has prepared the good works you've already done as a gift to you. It, they, weren't really, they weren't really your gift to God. Um, God prepared us good works to accomplish beforehand. And so I think very rarely in an imaginative way of prayer should we do this. But because our launching point is thanksgiving, not pride, we can truly thank God for putting people in our path that we were able to help. I'm sorry I've been mentioning race lately in some of my previous videos, but I did a podcast with a buddy of mine who's an African-American. And a few weeks later, which happened to be just about Holy Week or just before Holy Week, a woman in California on Twitter, a white woman, called me a racist for, in this podcast, comparing African-American culture to African culture. 
Her little video segment of mine had 15,000 views on Twitter, and then liberal Catholic Twitter, black and white, all came out and attacked me. Now, what I said really wasn't very interesting, and I don't even regret anything I said since it wasn't racist at all. In fact, again, it was a video I made with an African-American man who agreed with everything I said. But, you know, zombie Catholic culture comes among Catholics for Catholics. But ironically, here's where the story gets really interesting. Fast forward to Easter week, a week or two after I'd been harassed by all these people on Twitter, and this is when I was at the abortion center praying. Some kids challenged me to a race, and as I was racing them, I wiped out and bit it real hard, tore my habit, got my hands all bloody, my knees bloody, think I got my shoulder bloody. Probably a good lesson not to take a challenge from kids to race me at the abortion center. Now, the funny thing is, I actually don't care about race. I don't think this is that interesting, but the kids who challenged me to a race was a family of nine. They were all African-Americans. They were non-Catholics. After I had bit it and tore my habit, their mom, a mom of seven kids who was not Catholic, came over to me at the abortion center after I had ripped my habit and had blood all over my knees and my hands and I think my shoulder. If you're on YouTube, you can see the picture. And that is my hands after being cleaned up. And she started tending to my wounds. She got out of her purse a thing of goop. I guess every homeschooling mom, whether you're white or black, has some weird goop in their purse that, and starts taking care of my wounds. And she's getting my blood all over her hands. And I said, you don't have to get, but she just kept taking care of me. And I said, well, I'm a virgin, so you're not gonna get any diseases from me. Now, of course, if you look at that picture, I'm not claiming that's a stigmata. In fact, stigmata means mark. And this was just the mark of my stupidity for racing kids at an abortion center. But my hands are consecrated to Christ as a priest. So while a cancel culture white Catholic woman, who I now pray for at masses, attacks me on Twitter, a black non-Catholic lady gets the blood of a Catholic priest all over herself at an abortion center where we stand together, shoulder to shoulder for life, even if we don't pray together because of different confessions. Again, I'm not saying I'm any prophet any more than what came with my baptism and my confirmation and my holy orders, but I am a priest and my hands are consecrated making them, in some sense, literally Christ's hands. And here you have a non-Catholic woman taking a priest's hands into hers and bandaging them, getting my blood all over her in front of an abortion center without any latex gloves on her, no masks on her, no nothing in a time when everyone is so worried about health. So with all of this, how could I not think of that line, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Please say an hour, Father, for me, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, patris et spiritus sancti, descendet super vos et mani et semper. Amen.